Are you supporting women of color or are you just pretending like you are? You're listening to episode number 66 of the Self-Care Sunday podcast, a minimalist media project by Kaylee Reed. New episodes are released only on Self-Care Sundays, and today's episode is an interview with my new friend and mega influencer, Miriam. She has over 500,000 followers on Instagram, and if you're not following her already, I'm going to link her Instagram account in the show notes so you can go and quickly follow her. She is a Canadian-Pakistani blogger and biological sciences major from Calgary, Canada, born in Pakistan but raised in Canada, and she's passionate about all things makeup and fashion and is known for incorporating both of her cultures together in her artistry and photos. She's been especially passionate about art and makeup for the past four years, in which she's collaborated with various big makeup, fashion, and skincare brands to create photo and video content on her blog. Her collaborations have included companies such as L'Oreal, Too Faced, Pretty Little Thing, Armani Beauty, Urban Decay Cosmetics, and many, many more. She's currently working to expand her business with her own brand of vegan false lashes set to launch in 2020, and we talk about that plus so much more in this episode. We get into her journey of becoming an influencer, how she grew her account to over 500,000 followers, the biggest struggles that she's faced with anxiety and her own self-confidence, and diversity in the influencer industry. Also, before we get into the episode, Miriam and I are co-hosting an influencer marketing workshop on November 20th, so if you're in Calgary, make sure to check the show notes and see the event link there. Uh, We're going to be diving into everything from how to become a content creator, how to work with content creators if you're a brand, growing your following, using organic engagement tactics, everything like that, all the questions we get all of the time. So we'd love to see you there. It's in a couple of days if you're listening to this on Sunday. And now I'm going to get into the episode with Miriam. Miriam, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. We just met kind of recently and you have so much going on in your life um it's cool to meet an influencer out of calgary who has done so much and has grown so much being based here and we've talked about how this space in calgary is a little bit small but there's so much opportunity to grow which is what i'm really excited to chat about with you today but i'm also going to start way back at the very very beginning um so where did you grow up what did you want to be when you were little Start from like little baby Miriam. Okay. <laughs> so little baby Miriam was actually born overseas in Karachi, Pakistan. Um, I was born in 94 um, and then I moved to Canada when I was two years old. So it's interesting because I, I wasn't really raised there, but I still have like some of the traditional values that stuck with me from back home. I love Calgary because it's like such a budding city like we talked about. And it's been like an incredible experience. Like we're going to discuss also, there's like a million things I want to talk about on here. (laughs) But um, just growing up here, it's been interesting to work in this industry because the industry is like budding so much here. And I feel like the industry is growing along with the influencers. It's it's a positive and negative. Um, 
I mean, like how you and I, Kaylee, were talking about how like there's so much opportunity for growth and like we we don't need to look at it like it's a negative thing. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so much that we can do to like improve the industry and grow the industry out here. So, yeah, totally. And we're at that space right now. But rewinding, did you ever think that this was going to be your career path? Were you always really creative? Did you want to work in marketing or how did you end up here? Okay, so it's an interesting story for me. Um, I've always been super creative. Um, So I've always been really into like storytelling, writing, art, all of that. Um, But growing up, I was really, really interested in science. And that was my main kind of thing. So when I went into university... um, I went in as a biological sciences major and science is still something that I really, really love and I'm really passionate about. But it's it's crazy because how I kind of found my love of art and makeup was through stress and through anxiety. Going through my biological sciences degree, it really did take a toll on my mental health. Like to an extent, you know, you're stressing about school and like you're not good enough and and there's all these pressures from everywhere on the outside especially with cultural pressures and that sort of thing where it's like you have to be in a field of science or you're you're not considered successful so that's one of the things that I really struggled with so art was kind of more of just me expressing myself and I started off on Instagram with just like sharing my art with the world I didn't really expect anything to come out of it and then as I kind of grew, I realized like, wow, this is this is my passion. You know what I mean? And I feel like we've well, at least me being Pakistani and everything, I've been kind of like raised in a community that made me feel like I had to choose one thing that I was really good at. Mm-hmm. And so when I was like choosing my career path, I was like, OK, I'm going to do medicine. I was so set on medicine or optometry and I really wanted to do it. And it wasn't like I was passionate about it it's true and there's still a part of me that feels like I could have done well in that field but just like being a creative has helped me in so many other ways and it it allows me to kind of heal myself and it's it's like a form of therapy for me and so it's it's almost like I'm healing myself while I'm working and so that's kind of what I love about what I do now it's really really different because obviously I started off with science and then moved to art and now it's like more towards the business side of things and PR and like working with brands and that sort of thing. It's all very different to me but like every day is a learning experience and that's why I love it because there's so many different elements. So your Instagram journey, when did you start on Instagram and when did you first start to see growth on your account? So I started my Instagram kind of informally back in 2014. And then it wasn't until around 2015 or 2016 that I started to take it like seriously and kind of post like um, reviews and tutorials and that kind of thing. So around 2017, that was about two years ago, is when I started really working with brands and getting in there, um, doing collaborations, doing videos for brands and that kind of thing. So I've been creating content for brands. Um, It's been around two to three years now. And it's been really, it's been crazy because, you know, like when I, like I was telling you, Kelly, when I started out, it was, you know, micro-influencers weren't really a thing. No. Um, the whole blogging thing and collaborations with brands, it was so new. Digital marketing is just always growing. So it's been like, 
it's been interesting because I've had to learn myself and then brands are always learning and PR people are always learning so it's it's interesting but yeah everything is constantly evolving Mm -hmm. and like we were saying in a conversation maybe a week or two ago when you were at let's say the 10k like micro influencer mark you weren't really working with that many brands compared to now where micro influencers are kind of the trend in the industry right and you can have 5,000, you can have 3,000 followers and be working with brands. And now you've grown since 2014, you have over 500,000 mm-hmm. followers, which yeah. I mean, kudos to you, that's amazing. Um, what was your first brand collaboration? My first ever brand collaboration. Wow, that's a big question. <laughs> um, I know that my first major brand collaboration was with L'Oreal. That was really exciting for me. It was an eyeliner tutorial, and I still remember, like, I was like, wow, I'm working with L'Oreal. They're paying me to create this <laughs> content that I've just been making for fun. Like, yeah. it was crazy. But I'm, I'm so glad that now there's a space for micro-influencers to grow and um, that follower count doesn't dictate how well you do in this industry because I think that that was one thing that I really struggled with in the beginning was like worried about how many followers I have I can't pitch to brands unless I have a certain following Mm -hmm. and now it's so different so now I'm like I'm happy to see that there's more opportunities for girls that are just starting out because for me it was pretty it's pretty rough (laughs) yeah so I know the question that everybody listening to this is going to think is how did you grow your following? How did you get 500K? It's crazy. Yeah, so I, I get that question a lot. And, and what I always tell people is, you know, there's no concrete answer. There's no formula that you can just have to get followers and, and become big on Instagram. It's been, you know, when you look kind of at somebody that has this much following, a lot of times people will think like, oh, like what did she do? How did she get there? Like, she's so lucky. That's one thing that really irks me when people say I'm so lucky because I'm like, it's not really luck. It's more I've been putting in work every day for the past like four years. You know what I mean? Um, I think the main recipes for success on Instagram are number one, consistency. I think it's so important to be consistent on your page. There's a lot of people that ask me like, you know, how how did you get people keeping up with your page on the daily and I'm like you got to post content like all the time you know what I mean so consistency is really important um the next thing is authenticity and that's something that we've discussed a lot um authenticity is is something that is selling well it's it people market for authenticity now but it's something that you can't you can't fake um and I feel like people can pick up on it really quickly Um, You have to be in this industry for the right reasons Because I've had a lot of people ask me. How do I get free stuff? How do I get PR? Um, How do I fly out for these brown trips like and it's that that shouldn't be your motivation That shouldn't be your goal at the end of the day It's a tough journey and and to make it like you have to really want it You have to be passionate about it and you have to be real with people. I feel like even when I was starting there was a lot of times where when I was being my real and authentic self, it would come off as unprofessional. It was deemed as unprofessional for me to talk about my mental health, for me to discuss having a bad day, for me to be completely transparent with people. It was seen as unprofessional, and now things are geared more towards authenticity, so brands are starting to encourage us 
you know, be more yourself, post more vlogs, post more snaps, like just your raw footage. People love to see that. Yeah, people love to see that. And I feel like that's one of the reasons that people have really been following my journey because I've just been like 100% honest about it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you brought up authenticity because that was one of the points that I wanted to talk about today. And this word authenticity is so buzzy right now and trendy. And I think to a point where on Instagram, authenticity has even become curated. Like people choose when or whether or not to post if they're having a bad day. And even when you do see these authentic sides of people, they are still curating that in their feed or curating how they show their authenticity. So what does authenticity online mean to you? And do you think that there is a way to be like fully transparent and authentic that is positive for your mental health? Or do you think that there should be a balance of curating that authenticity? Because I think sometimes showing every little detail can be too much. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. I think there needs to be a balance because, you know, either one extreme or the other, it doesn't work too well. Because if you're completely inauthentic and you don't show emotions and you're just pretending to be this perfect person, you know, people don't don't just come to influencers to learn makeup anymore. People want a friend. People want um, somebody to relate to. So, you know, you have to be authentic to an extent. Otherwise, nobody's going to be able to relate to you because nobody can relate to, like, a perfect person. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you don't want to be following somebody that's talking about, <laughs> you know, like, negative things that's happening in their life every single day, all day. There needs to be a balance because if... If you give too much online, it can, you know, it can come back and affect your negative, uh, your mental health in a negative way. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of, I've, I've learned to balance those things because um, I've had experiences where I overshared online and I felt like, you know, it, it had more of a negative impact on my mental health than a positive. Mm, so, yeah, I have to, you have to kind of take every situation and, really think about it's you have to really think about what other people are going through and what people are going to want to relate to or if I'm just really having a bad day and I need to vent I'm gonna vent you Mm -hmm. know what I mean but there (laughs) always has to I always try and balance it um the positives with the negatives like yeah you guys I'm having a bad day I'm I'm a human being and it's okay we all have bad days but this is kind of what I do to make myself feel better so if you're in the same boat you know, let's like do some self care. Let's watch a movie. Let's do our nails. Let's just chill out <laughs> and I like, yeah. I think it's so important to balance with the positive of like, here's what I'm doing about it. Because right. coming from the mental health awareness space and having been in a lot of these conversations with mental health advocates and people that are like consumed by this conversation on Instagram, um, there's it can be really negative and mm-hmm. really draining and all-consuming when there's not that added layer of here's what I'm going to do about it and right. here's what I'm actively trying to do to feel better. And I think that's so important to also encourage your followers mm-hmm. to do that. So it's so cool that you are really open about that because you do have a really big platform and people that do look up to you. What is the hardest part of this whole journey been and working in this influencer industry? One of the most difficult things for me 
has been to create a space for myself where I feel like there wasn't a space for me. And this is something that I've kind of talked to you about before, especially being in Calgary, being a blogger over here in the West. I, you know, I was born in Pakistan, only lived there till I was two and then moved to Canada. So that there's these gaps, these cultural gaps mm. um, where I don't completely understand the values back home but I also don't completely fit in over here. Mm. So it's been kind of difficult to navigate that. And being Muslim, I have to be covered all the time. You know, um, there's, all these, there's all these little factors where I can't collab, collab with certain like clothing or bikini people because, well, I have to dress mm, modest. And interesting. There's all, these, there's all these like layers that people don't see. And yeah. it's just been, it's been difficult. I feel like mixing my, my culture with, the Western culture that I've been raised in here, that's kind of been the hardest part where I feel like there's a niche for, you know, bloggers here and there's a niche for, you know, Indian Pakistani bloggers that are all about that. But is there a niche for like us who are part of both cultures? So that's kind of been like one of the difficulties and challenges for me is creating this space where I feel like, and a lot of people don't see it, which I find interesting because you know, we live in Canada, everybody's super accepting, I have so many opportunities, and, you know, I'll never say I don't, because I, I've had so many more opportunities than a lot of girls I know, but, again, there's so much room for improvement, and I feel like in the blogger space, there hasn't, I haven't felt included in, in a way that makes me feel like I'm a part of this community. Mm. Oftentimes I feel isolated from the community because I feel like I'm over here in Calgary. Um, I'm in a different city. I have different cultural backgrounds. Like, you know, so I feel like fitting in has been kind of difficult for me. But just realizing that I don't have to fit in. If I'm not going to fit in here, I'm going to make my own place here. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's been kind of difficult. And then to go with that, obviously, the mental health um, you know, struggles. <laughs> uh, I've been pretty open about my struggles with mental health and anxiety and stuff from a long time. And then obviously putting yourself on the internet for hundreds of thousands of people to see and comment whatever they want. You know, every, every other day I get racist messages. Every other day I get messages telling me I'm ugly, whatever. <laughs> you have to have a very thick skin mm -hmm. to be on social media. So that's one thing that's been really difficult for me as well. Um, especially because I, growing up, I wasn't the most confident person. So I've had to really work on it and really build my own confidence and just be my own number one fan. Like I haven't gotten that much support from those, especially starting out. I wasn't getting that much support from those around me for what I was doing. People weren't really understanding what I was trying to do. They were like, oh, this girl's just trying to be insta-famous, <laughs> you know, she just wants clout, like, whatever. But now I feel like people are kind of seeing, you know, it's more than that. It's, it's a community, and I feel like Rahman Beauty has become this beautiful community where people just from all over can come and, like, feel a note of positivity, feel included, feel like there's a place for them. And I've, I've talked to so many, so many young people that are sharing their stories with me and just telling me that, you know, they've been in similar situations as me where they don't feel like they fit in or they feel like um, culturally mental health is kind of a taboo subject 
that's why I try and touch on it more because being, you know, a Pakistani, it's it's still taboo to an extent to talk about the fact that you have mental health issues. So I try and talk more about these things because it's something that I struggled with a lot, especially starting out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's so wild to me to hear you say that you were not always super confident because if you look on your Instagram page, you are so stunning. You look <laughs> so confident in every photo you post. And it's funny how like a stranger on the internet could look at that and think, oh my gosh, she has her life made. She's so gorgeous. Everything is perfect. And then behind the scenes to hear you say, well, actually, mm-hmm. I haven't always been confident. And I yeah. think that's a really big misconception is people kind of assume, oh, well, if you have all these followers and you have this perfect feed, your life looks so perfect. But actually behind the scenes, there can be anxiety. There mm-hmm. can be mental health struggles, all of these things and people don't realize and like to hear that people are commenting you know it's it breaks my heart and it's wild to me that people still think that that's okay behind a screen you know right um what would your advice be for younger girls getting into the industry or anybody struggling with their self-confidence what would you say to them so honestly i I struggled with confidence for years, so it only recently is when I felt like I'm confident in my own skin. Um, I always, I always tell people like it's so generic, but you just you can't care about what people think. You literally can't care about what people think. That's the number one rule because every time I've I've noticed every time I ever do anything that's a little bit different or that's a little bit daring or something that. I have a dream about and nobody else really believes in me you know the people around me are always trying to kind of bring me down like oh do you think you can really make it but uh you're from Calgary and (laughs) all of that I don't know I just I've had to be my own cheerleader I've had to really just support myself and to me it's, it's interesting and ironic that I'm like in makeup but I really barely wear makeup in my yeah, real you're life. not wearing makeup today yeah I, I rarely wear it I'm always in sweats you know I feel like there's just there's so many more important things in life I, f- I found love and therapy and amazing things through makeup and through the art of makeup and I found a community and a whole bunch of people that I feel like love and understand me but at the same time I don't see makeup or physical appearances or clothing as you know, priority, the most important. That's never been important for me. For me, I feel like, you know what, we're all going to grow old. We're all going (laughs) to become wrinkly raisins. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Like, it really doesn't matter. And I feel like almost every time I've tried to take a risk that has come out, like, with amazing results, like this, my Instagram account, there's always been people that try and bring me down. But I always had to be my own cheerleader, like, you know what, I'm not doing this because I think I'm pretty. I'm not doing this because I think I'm all that. I'm doing this and I'm posting this because I love the art. And it's all about why you're doing it. You know what I mean? If if there was a girl that told me that she wanted to do Instagram because she wants to feel beautiful and have a lot of makeup and have a lot of followers and fame, I would tell her, you know, you shouldn't do it. If, mm-hmm. if you're going to do it for those reasons, you shouldn't do it because you have to be you have to be passionate about this industry and it's so much more than just the exterior especially for me and like Rahman Beauty you know I try to talk more about what happens on the outside um that's where you you see me on my stories and 
in my little real talk highlights on my page, <laughs> I have like different issues that I like to discuss, whether it's mental health or racism, politics, whatever. Um, I just think it's, I don't know. I've just never given that much importance to my looks. And I'm sorry, but if somebody does, that sounds like their problem. That's just <laughs> how I feel. Like, I, I, And I mean, I, I walk around with no makeup like every day and I am recognized here and there. And there are people that are like, wow, you look so different. Like, yeah, I look different. I just rolled out of bed. <laughs> but, you know, I just, you have to like, it has to come from within mm-hmm. the confidence. So how do you deal with the haters? With all these like comments online, are you a block and report type person? Do you ignore it? Do you try to respond and educate people? So I, before, like when I first started, I was very, very defensive. So I was very like, if you come at me with that energy, I'm going to come at you with the same (laughs) energy and I'm going to teach you that this isn't how you should speak to people. Like, you know, like, I'll always be respectful. I'll always speak in a respectful tone, but I'll let them know. Um, And then, like, over time, the more and more comments that were negative that I got, I just realized that me responding to people was literally, I would get anxiety. I would feel clammy. My heart would raise. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't feel good after. You know what I mean? And so I realized that that was actually taking more of a negative toll on my mental health than a positive to give these people responses so I tried now I just try to block and delete mm-hmm. unless unless somebody says something really out of line like some racist stuff and I need to educate them I will educate them <laughs> <laughs> but if it's somebody just being like you're ugly I'm like yeah what's up okay bye <laughs> <laughs> um I want to talk about race and diversity a little bit sure. because you brought that up and I think it's so important to talk about this um, in terms of brand collaborations. Right. And I think you posted something the other day on your stories, which mm-hmm. was like poking fun at a brand that is calling themselves diverse, but they're really just like using one token person as their diverse person. Right. So my question, have you ever felt like that tokenized person? And how can brands do diverse partnerships in a better way? Okay, so first off, thank you for asking this because I think it's so important to touch on this and I feel like a lot of people don't realize that how big of a deal it is and how like I feel like you have to like be in this person's shoes to understand because even like from my friend my own friends and family they're like they don't see the discrimination that I kind of feel. Mm. Um you have to be on the inside of the industry to feel it because a lot of times we have these brands, you know, promoting women of color in their campaigns, um, in their ads, in their campaigns, make sure that there's a certain number of colored people there to, to, to make it look like they're balancing things. Then on the other side, you go and see the actual employees of the brand. Then you see the people that are invited to the brand trips. Mm. Um, <laughs> and it's just like, it's just sad that people still think that they can get away with calling their brand inclusive when they really don't act on those values at all and i'm glad you asked me because i actually oftentimes feel like the token brown girl Mm. um a lot of times i feel like they throw us in there um for example uh diwali just happened i know a lot of my um indian friends from instagram they've never collaborated with certain brands but diwali rolls around and they just reach out to all their indian like you know, Mm -hmm. creators. I just feel like there needs to, if you're going to 
try and push the agenda of inclusivity and diversity and that we we care you have to show that past your campaign photos you have to show that through money you have to show that through who you're paying who you're hiring who you're working with not just like not just for show but actually the core values of the brand are you supporting women of color or are you just pretending like you are Mm. because so many times i see like these brand trips most of them I'm not invited to, which is all good. <laughs> but, but you know, you see, like, one brown girl, like, maybe two, like, maybe throw in one black girl. Like, that's not how it works, yeah. you know? So I just, I feel like for the brand side, it's so important for them to understand that, you know, people can see past it if it's just a front for inclusivity, if it's just on, on your campaigns, you're trying to post more color on your page, great. But who are you hiring? Who are you paying? Who's going on these press trips? Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, I feel like a lot of the brands that are showing that they're collaborating with women of color aren't actually, you know, it's more of a front. For example, it's happened to me before where, you know, brands will, like, huge brands will want to use my name as, as like, to collaborate with, but they'll pay me next to nothing. Mm-hmm. And which I find ridiculous. And I feel like even right now, I'm nervous talking about it because I'm like, is this a taboo subject? But I'm like, you know what? This is my reality. Mm -hmm. I should have a right to talk about it if that's how I feel. And I feel like it's really hard to see it from the outside. So it's so important to get the insight of somebody from the inside because I know that a lot of creators, like a lot of the big creators that I know that are from UK, Australia, like a lot of different places globally, they feel the same thing. They feel like they're only involved in a campaign when it has something to do with, you know... Inclusivity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, why can't we be involved in just regular campaigns? Why yeah. does it have to be campaigns for brown girls and, like, yeah. brown holidays? And it's just... I don't know. It's just... I feel like it's really easy to tell when it's genuine and ingenuine. Mm-hmm. And I feel like brands these days feel, think that they're that they're fooling people but they're really not and I feel like people are catching on more and more and that's why we have so much support for these women of color owned brands like Fenty Beauty who just came and launched like an inclusive shade range which is unheard of Mm -hmm. why is that unheard of right yeah (laughs) so you know yeah do you feel like this trend of inclusivity like quote-unquote inclusivity needs to die like do you think it's more inclusive to just do regular marketing campaigns and include people without calling it a diverse and inclusive campaign yeah (laughs) honestly i feel like that's something that people don't understand like it almost seems like you're trying so hard why are you trying so hard you Mm -hmm. know they shouldn't have to try that hard to find colored creative people why 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 is there a need to launch a full campaign for inclusivity why is there why is there even a need because if if inclusivity is really at the core values of your brand if you're really hiring women of color like all different genders all different races if you're really doing that why do you need to go out of your way to tell people and show people that you're Mm. inclusive i think it needs to be done in a more um what's the word in a more organic way Mm -hmm. um rather than selectively reaching out to brown girls Mm -hmm. um why don't you include just everybody in 
in all of your campaigns you know I feel yeah. like it's so simple to us but I don't <laughs> it's it's some people just have trouble understanding it <laughs> yeah well it's like just walk the talk right stop talking about it and just do it right like show us in your actions exactly. not in your marketing ads exactly <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like that's a lot of it is that they think that you know if they show it in their marketing ads people are going to take them as inclusive but no I feel like in in this day and age people aren't dumb they're not looking for words they're looking for actions Mm -hmm. they don't want to see empty words they don't want to see empty support they want to see action they want to see brands actually supporting these women of color actually like you know going out of their way to try and make sure that there's all campaigns are inclusive not just these specific campaigns are inclusive so it looks like it No, Mm -hmm. I feel like people need to just make sure that all their campaigns are becoming inclusive because it's just so easy to tell when it's inauthentic. I feel like they don't realize that it's that easy to tell. Yeah, Yeah. well, people are so turned off by it now, right? right? Like, everybody's woke. Like, you you don't need to tell us that you're being diverse. Like, we can tell if you are or not, Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, so final question. What's next for you? Like, what do you have going on in the works? What's what's coming up? Okay, so some exciting <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I've been talking about it for a while, but Rahman Beauty Lashes are going to be launched this year. So um, I did have to push it back a little bit. I was hoping for a fall launch, but it's probably going to be after the holidays. Um, we are doing lashes, and I'm so, so excited because I literally spent so much time going through so many like different styles to find the ones that I feel like could suit everybody like I try to make it so that it doesn't matter what age you are like there's natural styles there's dramatic styles there's styles you can dress up and dress down and wear every day and I feel like it's awesome because I really wanted to find a material that was completely vegan but Mm. felt like mink Um, because I feel like everybody's really really into mink these days but Mm -hmm. just me my core values I can't do it Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not going to use real fur in my branding but I yeah I'm really excited so lashes are coming up this year and hopefully a lot more exciting stuff yay I'm so excited and also for those of you in Calgary that are listening we are hosting well co-hosting a workshop together on November 20th here in Calgary all about Instagram, influencer strategy, how to grow, how to monetize as a micro-influencer, and then um, also sharing Miriam's story of how she got to where she is now and working with brands at that level. So if you're in Calgary, mark November 20th down for uh, that event. Uh, Tickets will be on my Instagram page. You can go check it out. I think that's it. That's it. Yay. I'm so excited. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Thank you.